Hillsong Creative Podcast, where we hear from creative experts, influencers, dreamers, and doers, what they've learned and what we can learn from their journey as we explore, respond, and create. Hey, I'm Rich Langton. It's so great that you've joined us on the podcast today. Before we get into it, let me just tell you some exciting news. Next week, the Hillsong Creative Podcast will be live at Hillsong Conference. We're going to be on the Hillsong Conference backstage, doing some special interviews with some fun guests and a whole bunch of surprises. So if you want to join us, download the Hillsong Channel Now app and it'll be live. We've never done this before. It's exciting to me and I think you're really going to love it. I don't know about you, but I've had the People album on rotation for the last few weeks and I'm loving the album. We're singing the songs in church and it's just resonating in my spirit. As you know, we've had a number of the Hillsong United crew on the podcast over the time we've been doing it. The very first episode was with Taya back at episode number one and then episode number 20, we had JD talking all about confidence. That was a great episode. And then more recently on episode 42, we had JD and Taya on a fun episode talking about the People album and getting behind the scenes a little bit. But today we have Matt Crocker, who's one of our key worship leaders at Hillsong Church, but also a key part of Hillsong United. This is a great interview where he talks about his experience, what it's like to be on the road, what it's like to be a dad, and and also what it's like to be a songwriter and a creative. So we'll jump into it and I'll talk to you again at the end. For the people at home, I guess they would probably know you from United, Mm. Hillsong United, been traveling the world for a long time, leading worship and touring, all of that, lots of albums. So they would have a picture of who you are in their mind, but who who are you? Who are you to you? Who's who, Matt Crocker? Who do I say I am? Yeah. Yeah, all those things, obviously, are part of who I am, what I do. I think I'm quite grounded. I enjoy a life back home a lot. So when I am home, I love, like, obviously, I'm, I've got a family, a wife and two kids. One of them's three, four months old. And so trying to juggle all that stuff, I want to do that stuff well, especially when I'm at home. So I'm a dad, or I try to be. I don't always <laughs> nail it, but... Um, but you've got some kids. Yeah. yeah. And I, I find like I'm that sort of guy who loves being out in the garden and stuff. So I grew up with that, like, I don't know, my parents loved... Well, at least they made me do stuff as well in the garden. Right. So like that's I, I enjoy the real basic things of life, mm. the things that kind of, I don't know, numb your mind to maybe what's going on and it's an escape in a way. So I think I'm a simple person, but maybe complicated in other ways. But I love being creative. I love digging my heels into other things, not just music. Yeah. Um, I really love architecture and houses and interior. I enjoy just being with my family and friends. So I love it. One of my earliest memories of you and your family, it's not really you, but it's a fun story, yeah. is... And I don't remember the full details, but I remember your dad invented something mm-hmm. and he's therefore, he, I guess he's world famous for inventing something. I don't know if he's world famous. <laughs> or, Let's I st- say he is. I still like, I could be making this story up. I'm pretty sure I've confirmed it with him. I grew up thinking that he invented the formula that they use for pourable custard. <laughs> But it was for like a university, like whatever those bachelor of whatever degrees. So he got nothing for it because it was through the university, right. which means I got nothing for it. <laughs> so financially it didn't help at all, no. but it's a cool story. So when you go to the supermarket and you buy custard. Dairy farmers, I guess. I don't know. For your 
dessert. Yep. He made it so that it was pourable. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. When I think of that story though with your dad and that sort of invention, I know it was a it was actually a formula that he created, right? Yep. Or an algorithm or something. Yeah, but, something like that. Before computers were around. Right. But what it makes me think of is actually because your dad's pretty creative. Mm. He plays plays on our team. He's yeah. a musician. It makes me think of your heritage in creativity. Yeah. Growing up, did you live in a creative kind of environment? I did in regards to um, I can remember like the stuff I do now. Like I'll get up early and go to rehearsals and whatever on a Sunday. I can remember waking up and dad was either already gone or he was walking out the door with a guitar in his hand and his little amp or whatever he had. Mm. And um, he was doing the stuff I'm doing now and he's still doing it, which is cool. Mm. Uh, it's actually really awesome to see some older guys still around because mm. we need that experience and that that history, I think. Mm. So I grew up in that and my grandma is like extremely creative. She's a really good poet. She's mm. a painter. She's an artist in many regards. Mm. She's a little bit older now, mm. so she's still doing stuff. So I grew up with, I feel like that was not necessarily something I dived into with her, but it always influenced me. I would always kind of be down in our shed trying to paint or something. But I really, like, I loved drums growing up. I played the drums in different bands. And then when I was about 15, I got into songwriting. So that's where I decided at that moment, this is what I'm going to do is write songs. I didn't know I was going to be doing it here because I grew up at Hills, Hillsong Church, Mm -hmm. CLC back in the day, HCLC. And... We were at another church for like three or four years. And then I got involved back here because of a band competition <laughs> that Channel V, it's like Australia's MTV. But yep. now, now we actually have MTV. But it got me involved back in youth because Joel's band was in it. And in my band, like we both won the two things, the parts of it. So it got me involved back at church and it got me into a world where songwriting was what's the word, not rampant, but you know what I mean? Like It was, it was happening. It was least. happening. Yeah. People yeah. were writing. It was mm. that time where like United was just kicking off. Mm. And so I found myself in this, I felt like God positioned me there obviously, but um, I was drumming, but I was also in a position where they wanted to hear songs because they knew I was in a band and mm. I was writing songs. So it's just funny looking back on your journey and you can see God working yeah. in every step of it. Mm-hmm. So, Do you have a drum now? Just in the studio. Right. But I never get credited. <laughs> Is it I'm something okay. that you still like doing? I, I love getting on the drums. Yeah. Very rarely am I on there. Like, again, just in the studio. Mm. It's not like they're pressing record on me or anything. Right. But I think I'm pretty good. I used to be good. <laughs> so I, I, it's not like... It is kind of like jumping back on a bike, but you definitely, like, there's disciplines on drum. And mm. I found drums really... I found it hard with, mm. in this setting at church because mm-hmm. you have to... In the band I was in, that was just, we were set, like that's what we did. Whereas here it's a lot more, you got to move, it's right. moving parts and organism. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of pressure on the drummer, I feel, more than anyone. Mm-hmm. I, I would rather be the guy standing out the front mm-hmm. with that pressure on my shoulders, carrying it in a different way rather than be a drummer. Because mm-hmm. there was something about it, I just couldn't deal with that pressure. Yeah, right. So I remember I broke my leg and I had Rolf and Ray were calling me up after about six months being out of a cast and they're like, when are you going to start drumming? And there was something in me that just didn't want to do it. But right. I also feel like that was another way of God hmm. guiding Directing. me towards singing and vocals because yeah. I was too scared to do that. Mm. So if I never stopped drumming, I don't think I would have started singing. Yeah. so That's really interesting. Yeah. I think it's interesting for people listening who might be worship leaders or just creative pastors thinking about their the different pressures on their team because you wouldn't think, I mean... I guess when you stop to think about it, you realise that a drummer is sort of, obviously 
they're carrying yeah. the, the whole... We say they're the backbone and the glue. Right. And but then you forget that in and out of transitions and the, I guess, the highs and lows, sort of the dynamic of a service, they're mm. really... It's really obvious if they're not on it. That's right. And if, if they make a mistake or if they end the song, it ends. So right. it's like, <laughs> right. and it's not like anyone's up front worship leading and getting super annoyed with you. But mm. if you are the one guy who's kind of, for some reason, you're not focused or you just, I don't know, you're not, you really got to be, as a worship leader now, I know what it feels like to have everyone all on the same page and it's moving. And I always yeah. encourage people, I'm like, this is why we rehearse. We rehearse because then we can get off the train tracks. But right. rehearsal, let's figure out exactly what we're doing. Mm. But then we have a freedom within that mm-hmm. to get out of that. Yeah. And so um, our guys are so good. They've gotten so good at that over time, especially here at home. Mm. Like they know that. They know that if they're feeling something, they'll go with it. But if if it's not going the right way, it's just like us as worship leaders. If Brian's up on stage, mm. he's trusting us to step into it. But if he's not wanting it to go somewhere, he'll just come up and st- yeah. kind of take yeah. over and yeah. it's it's very um it's natural now mm. it's not a yeah it, it probably was back in the day but for me younger younger me it's a bit it was more like you're on edge the whole time so. yeah yeah and you want yeah you want to do a good job yeah you want to make sure it's great all of that and yeah. just maybe like you say the experience plays a lot into yeah. that but i think maybe personality too yeah sometimes we want to be you know you might want to be the upfront leader and you're just not that the yeah. personality for that or in this instance you might want to be the you might play drums, but you're not, you don't have the confidence or the maturity to actually do that in within a, a Sunday morning or Sunday yeah. night setting. I think that's really interesting to even contemplate for our own involvement in our teams. Yeah. It's definitely a foundation for me mm. as a drummer for mm. worship leading. Mm. And I like I feel like, you know, when like everyone's telling you like put your kids on a piano first when they're growing right. up, which I would actually would have been like it would have been beneficial to me massively. Uh-huh. But like I thank God that drums was my that was what I did. Yeah. Because I actually feel like it was no accident mm. because it's there's a confidence in that and a mm-hmm. boldness and this like kind of energy mm-hmm. that that you have to have as a drummer mm. that if you can do that worship leading, you've got this extra kind of, right. I don't know, I'm not, I'm not an aggressive worship leader, but it definitely gives you that boldness and confidence that yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. Well, if you've been the guy that stands out like a sore thumb when you make a mistake yeah. and you've got that and you take that into your worship leading, yeah. then then it's less obvious when you make a mistake or, yeah. or you know, it's less obvious in general, but but you can be bold, you yeah. can be confident. Yeah. Yeah. So then did you pick up drums? Like was it just something you started hitting stuff around the house or did your parents encourage you in that or how did I that? Don't, it was just something I loved. And it was probably growing up in church, to be honest, like mm. just like, I don't know, so many young guys like hitting things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I used to pull out pots and pans at home. Yeah. And I was like three or four. Mm. And Dad would have John Farnham playing or something in the background. Right. Um, Google John Farnham if you don't know who yeah. that is. <laughs> You're the voice. That's right. all you need to know. Yeah. But I had a pair of drumsticks. They're like these brown, like really kind of old school brownie, like with a really round tip and they're mm. quite thick. And I think they were my grandpa's and mm. somehow they ended up at our house. And mm. so I used to always use them, hit the ground with them and stuff. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. But um, that led to my parents just kind of catching on to, oh, maybe he's, he wants to play the drums. Because I didn't speak, I didn't even speak proper English till I was six years old. Okay. So them understanding me was like, I was cryptic on its own. Right. So um, they were ready to put me into speech therapy. So it's funny that I write songs now. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that you sing and yeah, speak in hilarious. front of people. <laughs> So that led to them getting me like a little drum pad and then lessons at school. And then I decided I wanted to play basketball 
So instead of doing drum lessons, I was mm. going to play basketball. That never happened. So then I was somehow two or three years later, I was like, I want to play guitar. That yeah. never happened. And then I just got into drums because my friend had a drum kit. And it just sent like something natural to me. I figured it out pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I joined my cousin's band. And mm-hmm. that's where I kind of really grew as a musician. Yeah. Uh, I got a lot to thank him for. He's mm-hmm. over at C3. And yeah, went from there. Hmm. So then the whole songwriting thing came along because you, the environment here, once you got back into well, back to Hills. Yeah, kind of. It was in that band. Like we, It was the same group of guys, but we all kept... One of the guys was Dan Carox at C3. He mm-hmm. kind of heads up all their music. Mm-hmm. So he was our singer. And I remember we, I was doing like pop punk music. So like Blink-182 and stuff yeah. like that. And uh, that was life. That's all we cared about. And so I was playing this style of music and I was getting influenced by the same time by Mikey Chislett, who yeah. is now... He, he was dating my sister at the time and he's married to her now. And so he was always like, here's some music, here's the Beatles, here's mm-hmm. whoever. And so I got, I just forced myself to, I was like, I want to be, I don't know, it was just another, another one of those instances where it was something in me mm-hmm. wanting to expand as a musician. Yeah. And so I got really influenced by other music and I realized this was like, this was a genre that's probably finding the end of its lifespan yeah. or, or coolness. Like it might come back again, but it was <laughs> right. it was definitely heading that An way. Was was new, yeah. Mm. There was new stuff happening. Mm. So I was like, I don't wanna I'm I'm young. I wanna do music <laughs> for life. So how do I do that? And so I was talking with someone else and she was like, Well if you if you don't want to do this music, start writing it. Mm. Like start influencing it. Mm-hmm. So I, I got into the arranging side of things and then writing and then I was back here at youth because of that band competition and I had friends here. And that led to me, like, I knew Joel already. And so he was like, oh, have you got songs? Show me some songs. And they would have been so bad. Yeah. But, and I was so nervous because I didn't like singing. But I'd do it. And, not, like, my hat's off to him, Marty and Ruben, like, those guys sitting through me being really awkward and that. <laughs> but that's, like, they're just, like, that's how amazing they are, like, bringing people through. Mm-hmm. But they would spend the time with me yeah. and realise there is something in this guy. Right. So then take us back there. So you You'd sit at home, yep. perhaps in your bedroom, with the guitar at this point, yeah, and just. R- when I was fifteen, I decided that's what I was going to do. Yeah, but then when I was about sixteen, seventeen, yeah. w- there's this thing that came out. It was like an eight track, that was digital and it had like a CD you could put in it and you could burn things onto it. And then Mikey had one, mm-hmm. and so to me, I was like, if I can get one of those, that's going to change my whole life. Right. And it actually did. Like it, it allowed me to record things. I could hear my voice. I could hear that I sound like I had a lisp. Um, (laughs) my voice was quite like timid and it was that time of life where my body's changing and stuff so Mm -hmm. you know voice changes right? and things like that so it was real practical but it also allowed me to write music Mm. and create music and edit and so over the last couple years I've realised I have to get back to that place with writing Mm. where it's not just voice memos but it's actually me creating music right? and then it allows my melodies and whatever to come and wrap itself around that Yeah. so that was a game changer for me. That's mm. when I was like, this is what I'm doing. So I was like, once I'm done with school, I'm moving to LA. I'm, this is what I'm doing, writing wow. music. Yeah, right. But again, I was just hooked in here and it, God just took me. Hmm. I want to explore that more. But first, the songwriting thing, how did you get the confidence to show them? Like you said you were sort of pretty shy to show them, but was it because they were pressing you for it? Like you said, Joel's asking for songs or was it, the drumming thing brought, you know, you had some confidence from that or what made you feel like 
anything you wrote was actually... I think having a like a relationship with them first or a friendship, that definitely helped. Mm. But I was still so nervous. Yeah. Like I was probably sweating sitting there on the staircase down there in the basement. Right. And um, this is when like Joel and all those guys were still coming to youth. Yeah. So I don't remember if I was like, I've got songs or they were asking me. I think they were asking me. So yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll show you some stuff. And then... He's like, well, I'll just grab a guitar now and like show Right, me. so he kind of put you on the yeah. spot. So I did it and there's kids walking like going up the stairs while we're sitting over in the corner. And I'm like, oh man, everyone's like here. Yeah. I talked about Mia Fields and she's over in Nashville now and she's writing incredible songs for many different people. She was here and she prophesied over me at a camp, which three people did. <laughs> um, they all said pen to paper. <laughs> and so for me, that was like, okay, go time. Like start trying to write like all time. So that's what I did. And she took me under a wing and got me confident enough to sing in a setting where it was, I'm co-writing with someone because you've got to be vulnerable. She's, that's what she said. She's like, it's one of the most vulnerable things you're ever going to do. Mm. Pour your heart in, out in front of someone and show them something that you've been working on. Mm. But if this is what you want to do as a songwriter, then you've got to get past that and yeah. be comfortable with it. So, mm. Sounded like you did a bit of sort of self-assessment as well along the process, listening to your voice on the recordings, yeah. hearing that, and then yeah. trying to get better. Yeah, I was. For, I always do these things for like, well, I haven't got no like depth to my voice. I sounded really like high pitched. Yeah, which I can still kind of get high there, but mm. I think now there's a little bit more meat to me. Mm. I don't know if it helped, but I just figured if I sang in the car, always an octave under, it right. would strengthen my low range. <laughs> okay, so I did that for like three or so months. I don't know. I think time's just been helpful for me, yeah. like learning how to sing. Mm. So, and like you hear yourself back all the time. I used to hate hearing myself talk, mm. whereas it doesn't bother me anymore. I think everyone's like that, though, right? When, because you're like, you is that what recorded. I sound like? Yeah. It's like, wow. Yeah, you, you realize that your hearing is what other people hear all the time. That's a bit it's of not a, what you've been hearing. No, <laughs> not at all. that's confronting, uh, particularly on the podcast yeah. or places like that. <laughs> so then, those early songs. Did they go anywhere or was there any? So, I mean, there was one thing I was involved with before I even left school and it was more of just a musical thing and um, Chislet and me kind of did it, I think. But that was just like an intro to something. I don't know what happened with it. Mm. But the first album I was involved with, which I'd kind of shown them songs for a year or two before, was Look To You. Yep. And that had What The World Will Never Take. And that was a case of like, I came up with a bunch of stuff, but it was really like Marty was involved at that point and he kind of took the thing and made it what it was. Mm -hmm. And it definitely had ideas in there and sounds and stuff that were mine, Mm. but in his genius, he took it all and made it a song. Mm. And so being in those situations time and time again helped me learn how to write. Yeah. And so then the first song that I did for an album that was actually something that was the next album was If I Fall Down. That was Mm -hmm. just something I wrote in my bedroom and I was laboring over for months and months, not really knowing it was going to be on an album or anything. Mm -hmm. But I remember showing Joel just the chorus and it didn't even have all the lyrics, but he loved it. Mm -hmm. He's like, keep working on it. And so, yeah, it just, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It just worked. Yeah. 
Hey, we'll get back into it in just a minute, but I wanted to let you know that Hillsong Conference is just a few short days away. And if you haven't registered yet, it's not too late. We'd love to see you there. Come and be a part of it. Hillsong Conference is our premier conference that happens every year in July, and it's for everyone, for creatives, for leaders, for pastors, for everyone. We've got some really specific masterclasses for creativity and creatives, for running creative teams. And I think you'll find they help your leadership and your creative team move forward. Personally, Hillsong Conference for me over the years has been a real time of growth and an injection of inspiration and really helps me move forward in my own personal life and leadership. So if you're out there and you're considering coming, let me encourage you to register now and be a part of it. You can get more information at hillsongconference.com, register today and don't be a stranger. Come say hi if you're there. Let's jump straight back into it. Hi, I'm Matt Crocker, and this is my Fantastic Four. A job I would be terrible at is organising people's lives, because I'm terrible at organising my own. The last book I read was an audiobook about marriage. I can't remember the name of it. Great book. I'm currently listening to Nothing and Everything. I kind of flick through stuff and trying to find something new and then I always sometimes revert to the old stuff. I was listening to Led Zeppelin yesterday. My favourite cuisine would probably have to be pizza. I used to love thick crusts. Now I'm all about as thin as you can get the thing. I guess by now in the timeline of things, you've finished school, you know you want to be a songwriter, Mm. starting to write with Joel and Marty and the United Crew. Did you have any sort of fear about the future or what, like how you're going to support yourself or what a job might look like? Because I still thought I was just going to move overseas and just risk it all and do it. And that you were cool with that? I've just always had this confidence, which I'm finding the older you get, the more your confidence gets stolen. Mm-hmm. So when you're young and you're in a youth group like like ours, confidence is just pumped into you, mm. and it, it's a great thing. Like mm. it, it makes you feel like you can conquer anything, and which yeah. you, we should be able to. And in faith, step out mm. and do new things. And so I just was always like, well, this is what I'm doing. And I was definitely as a younger younger guy. I was. I remember waking up, Dad would be reading his Bible every morning, and that affected me in a way where I was like, well, maybe I should start reading my Bible. So when I was about 14, I started reading maybe even a little bit younger, but mm. I remember that just was life. Mm-hmm. And so I just always felt from a heritage of even my grandparents and their parents, mm. it's just this, I grew up in a world of knowing and loving Jesus. Mm. I just had this confidence that was godly, I think. Mm. It wasn't cocky or anything. It was just like, this is what I'm going to do. Mm. And I felt this is where I just feel lucky that I knew what I felt like I was called to at a young age. Yeah. When I had all the time in the world to do this thing, mm. to spend time working out the process and mm. becoming a songwriter. Because I know the older you get, time and life just slips away from you mm. into different things. So I did all the hard yards when I was younger. Yeah. I, um, as you know, but people listening, I grew up with, with Ruben Morgan. And when we were teenagers, he did the same thing that you're describing. He set aside time mm. to, I guess, first practice his craft, learn how to play guitar and play it super well. Yeah. He did that like... He would dedicate time to it. But then I watched him become a writer and then just focus on it and stick at it. Yeah. I've often looked back on the, our different pathways of life and realised that I can do lots of things, 
not super well, but I can do them. Mm. And part of that is because I didn't stick at any one thing. Yeah. And I think that advice that you're giving or that, you know, your experience that you're telling about is important because often people aspire to something, but they're not willing to just commit to that one thing. Because yeah. when you commit to that one thing, it means you're cutting off other things. Yeah. It means you can't do everything. You have to do that one thing and yeah. do that well. And then that can feel like you're missing out on life because yeah. you've committed to that one thing. But then other people look at you and go, wow, I wish I could do that yeah. like they do it. But they can't because they never put in the effort. I remember looking for opportunities to sacrifice in ways of like all my friends would go to parties. And again, I was this kid that grew up in a world of youth and mm. having my own relationship with God at a young age. So I was going to these parties, but I wasn't necessarily doing what most other kids my age would have been doing at these mm. parties. But I still wanted to be there with my friends, hanging out or going out to go skateboarding or whatever. Mm. But for me, I would look for those opportunities to be like, I'm going to stay at home and write. Yeah, There's just something about knowing there's a sacrifice that goes, like paying a price to mm. actually get to yeah. where you envision yourself. Uh-huh. And so I would do that. And there's a guy in the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Sean Prashante. <laughs> right. My friend was really into the Red Hot Chili Peppers growing up and he gave me like these CDs that this guy had done his own solo stuff and I read more into him and he like he got involved in the Chili Peppers because he just loved their music mm. and he loved guitar and so he used to spend 17 hours a day just playing guitar. Wow. This is probably the wrong age to decide to do that when I'm in school but I was like that's what I'm going to do. Mm. Every waking moment, every time I get to do it, I'm going to write and play guitar and learn mm. how to do these things. And so I would, I had a lot of free periods at school, like times where I didn't have to go to class. And so I'd literally go home because I had my license by then. So yeah, I just dedicated everything I had. I knew like academically, um, I, I did well when I decided to do well at school, but I also didn't do well because then I decided, well, I'm just going to do this. Right. And that's all my energy is going to right. that. Mm. So I was just inspired by weird situations and people who were inspiring like John Frusciante and mm. um, most of you probably don't know who that is but yeah, I just I think people, mm. anyone in this world is doing something that is above them above themselves is it's because they've given their whole life to it and yes it can add it can actually end sadly for a lot of people yeah uh-huh. but I think what is so amazing about what we do is we we see why we do it mm. and um and it's obviously bigger than just ourselves. And this time and in age, mm. it's more than ever people need the message we have. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I guess um, if you're going to give your life to something, dedicate everything to it, what better thing to do than, than uh, the kingdom yeah. and church yeah. and writing songs that help point people to Jesus? Mm-hmm. It kind of makes sense. And I still find myself in places like you were talking about, like mm. I'm so like there's opportunities to do this and that and yeah. whatever. And I love jumping around doing other things, mm. but I always have to make sure like, and, and it doesn't always happen straight away, but I have to bring myself back to why and what I do yeah. and what I feel like I'm actually meant to be doing. Yeah. What am I good at? And I love those moments when I'm writing where I'm like, oh, I'm actually okay at this. Like, because right. it, it's easy to forget that you're not too bad at it. Right. And so it's nice little payoffs to be reminded like, okay, I know a good song from a bad song, which is a massive part of songwriting. I reckon that's the right. whole thing, is knowing what's a good idea, what's a bad idea. Right. Is this melody good or not? Yeah. And um, that's why it's good to write with other people because you find those things. But yeah, yeah I think staying committed is mm. helpful. Which I imagine now that you've been doing it for a long time, it, it, it doesn't necessarily get easier. It gets harder. Right. Especially now there's so many good songwriters within our crew mm-hmm. and it's only going to get more and more mm. as time goes on. And I think like 
God and his grace and his sovereignty, he lets the right people rise up, mm. people with the right motives and stuff. Because there's people, obviously there's, there's a platform here mm. where your songs can be heard, but maybe not for everyone that's, that's their platform. Mm. And I believe if you're a songwriter, God wants you using these songs. I don't, I don't like, I do think there's songs written in your bedroom that are always between you and God, but mm. I also think like arts to be heard, arts to be seen. Mm. But I know like, Within our crew, there's a lot of people who are actually great songwriters. So mm. it's it's a it's a narrower door mm. almost to mm. actually bring a good song and have it come through. Mm. If that makes sense. So yep. for me now, it's I'm not just bringing whatever, and it's gonna be we'll do it in the stu- like I feel like I'd bring a half kind of caked idea back mm. in the day, <laughs> and we'd be like, okay, we need something. So then we'd take in the studio, then we'd make it great. Right. Whereas now it's like great songs are being brought to the table right? and that's what we're going to do because yeah. we don't want to waste time in the studio. Mm. So it puts pressure on you as, mm. as a songwriter. Yeah, so, yeah. But it's, it's awesome. So then what would you say to the aspiring songwriter? You know, obviously they're hearing this, they're going, okay, I need to commit to it. I need mm. to believe that I'm meant to do it mm. like under God. Now what? Yeah. I'm writing songs. I'm in my bedroom. No yeah. one's hearing him. <laughs> what do I do? Um, I mean, so I was talking about A-Track before. These days you've got, so many ways to write and record it's stupid like mm. it's I wish yeah. I was when I was 16 mm. I could have had the same opportunity but maybe now it's so easy that it's the, the hard work doesn't need to be put in I don't know okay. so I would just obviously don't let it be to the sacrifice of other things in your life that probably matter if you're going to school and your parents are paying for that that's my regret <laughs> right. they were paying for me to go to a good school and thanks to them they didn't deter me from chasing my dreams mm. But if I could have realized what they were spending on my education, I probably would have done things a little bit different. Mm. But I would say sp- spend time on it, like you just said. Chase after your dream. We talked about this before about running in your lane. Yeah. I think what is your lane? Obviously, like you got to trust God as a as someone who believes in God's calling upon our lives and purpose. Um, he's going to open the doors. So, and you might have been writing for ten years, and you're like, well, he hasn't opened a door yet. Mm. I mean, I. I can only say stick at it, but I, I do believe if your heart's right and you're really living in God's call in your life, mm. he's going to open those doors up and that might be you writing with someone mm. or getting an opportunity to write with someone or you're at church and they want to do a new song and you've brought this new song. And I think that's important. I think um, we're, we're blessed here to write songs that work for our church and a lot of other churches. Mm. There's a lot of amazing churches out there writing their own music because it, it's for what they're doing in their church mm. and it's their mission. And we're at the same mission, obviously, but you know, it's like we write a song that's really around a message that mm. we're focusing on here at church yeah. at the moment. And so I think that's, those are opportunities that you might find in your church or you might just want to write pop music or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think work hard, um, believe that God's going to open the doors mm. and have that kind of youthful, risky confidence mm. um, because that's what I felt that got me to the place that I am at now yeah. is just trusting God and mm. stepping into every opportunity. Mm. I love that. You talk a lot about, like if, if we're ever talking about music or whatnot, say, what are you listening to? What are you doing lately? Or even a minute ago, you, you referenced Chili Peppers. Yeah. Um, you mentioned to me yesterday you were listening to Wolf Mother. Yeah, um, so random. And I wonder, I think for some people listening, that might be a bit confronting. Yeah, not Christian music. R- right? So how do you see that? I don't know. I just, I didn't grow up thinking I was going to do Christian music. What I did love about church 
is it's worship. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. Yeah. And obviously we have musics now that's on radio stations here and there, but for me, it's ultimately still songs we're going to do at church and they're worship songs. And mm-hmm. so that's what drew me to it because I remember my parents would buy me albums and I, I mean, I couldn't even tell you what albums they were, but they'd buy me albums from this bookstore, Kurong, which yeah. is like, they're amazing. But I was young and I all I cared about was Blink-182 and all these other bands. So I was like, I'm not listening to that. Right. But it's just funny how God flips everything on your head. So he drew me towards worship. Yeah. But in regards to what I listen to and I still listen to, there's a mm-hmm. lot of music that's not necessarily Christian. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's just, I get inspired by people's creativity and I guess people, not that there's not amazing crazy creative people within our world Mm. there is but for me it's just looking beyond just our horizons and i believe all creativity is from god whether we use that to glorify god or not Mm. that's a different story Mm -hmm. yeah i think like people probably listen to me now saying okay those bands have swearing in it or whatever or they talk about this or that I'm actually the worst with lyrics. I don't hear a single lyric. I hear melody. Okay. Whereas I, my car, my wife will get in the car and she'll know every lyric to a song. I'm like, how do you know these right. lyrics? Yeah. Like nothing sticks in my head lyrically. It's always uh-huh. melody. So it's almost like I don't even hear lyrics. I just hear melody. Right. But um, I don't know. I just am more attracted to... I Also like, like again, you said, what, what are you listening to right now? Mm. I couldn't tell you. I'm listening to like 10 different things. Right. Just trying to find something that grabs me. Mm. I don't know the answer to that. Is it because your headspace is sort of in the creative zone, if that makes sense? So you're sort of you're thinking about writing, thinking about melody, for mm-hmm. example, and therefore when you listen to something, it kind of triggers thoughts. So yeah. it's not necessarily, you're not intently listening to the lyric or yeah. whatever. You might be more thinking about melody or style or genre even. Yeah, it's to me, like, and maybe it's a drama thing. Like I always try to find... Something about rhythm, like, mm-hmm. okay, that's got a lot of energy and it's what will drive a melody for me. Yeah. So I'm not trying to find songs that are, I'm going to rip off. I'm just going to find songs that inspire me. So I might even just like, if I'm writing and I'm listening to something, I'm like, that's awesome. So then I'll just lay a beat that's similar to it. Right. But that beat's going to change. Uh-huh. Like, it's going to get tweaked. It's mm. as, as well as the song moves on, we're like, okay, we need to take that out. We need mm. to take that out. So it becomes a whole different thing. But mm. it's just being inspired. There's something about, life that people somehow transfer into art mm. and sometimes as Christians I think we've gotten a lot better at it, but we can act like mm. everything's all good mm. but it's not we, I mean as you find me mm. we just put that song out mm. that song's about a journey that especially talking about Jolly like mm. he, he's gone through this journey but actually is reflective of most of us yeah all of us yeah yeah Being real, it's mm. about our testimony. Yeah. It's about what we've 
lived mm. lived through. So, yeah, right. And Which, it seems to resonate with right. Them. So I was going to say is it seems the best art is where someone's being honest. Yeah, they're bringing their craft mm-hmm. to an experience or yep. to their sort of their honest life journey, if, yeah. that, if that makes sense, and um, and expressing it through some sort of art yeah. through their craft. So it might be a song or painting, as you said, and then that seems to be what resonates. Yeah. Yeah. That song, As You Find Me, so it's from the new album. Mm-hmm. It seems like these new songs are a real honest reflection of where Joel's been and, and yeah. perhaps is it where you've all been as writers? Yeah. And then is it the 20th year? I think that's what we're saying. It's right. 20 years since United started and I've been involved for a lot of that. Mm. Um, obviously someone like Joel, even Ruben, was involved from uh-huh. the very start. I think mm. he had pretty much was the guy who took the whole kicked thing it off. and kicked yeah. it off. <laughs> And 20 years is like, it's not a long, long time, but it is a long time. Mm. And so you get to a point where you're like, well, if we're going to keep doing this, like we need to explore new avenues, I guess. But for us, it's just like, we want to be real Mm. with like where we're at and who we are. Mm. And I think that resonates with people again and bringing humanity into it. And that allows God's, our weakness, God's Mm. strength. Mm. I think that's what God is using within our sphere Mm. um, with what we do. And then there's also room for those songs that are just completely God-glorifying, which I love. That's what I love about here at Hillsong Church. Mm. There's actually so many creative licenses within what we do. So United, we can really kind of explore these themes of life and who yeah. who we are and what we go through, mm. point it back towards Jesus. And then we've got also these ways of just writing these songs that are anthemic and they're just straight directed at God and God, mm. you are so good. Mm. And we're singing them and a lot of people kind of who wouldn't be in our world, don't go to a church, they'll be like, well, I'm not going to listen to that. Like, Mm. it does nothing for me. But then when they actually get connected to the heart of God, Mm. it also resonates with them. And like, there's nothing better than being in a room with however many people you're with and you're all singing the one thing that's directed at God and Mm. it's just, you can feel Mm. the presence of God. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, It's fun Imagine at least I'm not obviously not a writer, but I imagine it's fun when you express something so dear to you, and then you sing it with you know mm. in church with a bunch of people you may or may not know, yeah. and it resonates with them too. Yeah, it's like it never gets old. Mm. Like I remember Fire Fall Down. Mm. I was a song I was singing in my bedroom for months, and my mm. parents had to put up with me singing it late at <laughs> night. They they remember hearing it every night, but then the first time we did it. Like that experience of like, wow, like people are singing this and they yeah. love it. Mm. And it, you don't want it to become about you. Yeah. But it's like, wow, like that's amazing. Mm. It actually, it's like a really good feeling. Yeah. And so that never gets old. But it's now it's a bit more, there's like this real mission behind it. Right. Like I feel like this is what I'm here to do. And so we're specifically thinking through what should we be singing at church? What does God want to sing about? Mm. What I'm singing about that's mm. gonna have an impact on people's lives, or mm. what's he trying to get across to people at the moment, mm. and he can do that in so many different ways. And he chooses song as one of those ways that mm. really resonates with people. Yeah. So you mentioned it's like 20 years of United, and there's a new album coming out, and you're going to be doing like massive tour, world tour mm. this year. Yeah. What? Well, the USA. <laughs> world tour of the USA. Yeah, I think Great. there's more world happening with, <laughs> sure. as time goes on. Okay. Well, my question was going to be what, so there's lots going on, lots of activity. Yeah. What really are you, where's Matt Crocker in, in your um, sort of future? Where do you see yourself and yeah. what's, what excites you about what's coming up? Just more opportunities to keep writing. 
I think that's always there within our circle of life. But I just love, like I'm going over, over to the OC in two weeks. Those are my favorite trips when I get to go over and there's space to just write and record. And obviously, I think we, all the songs will be written before we get there, but uh, then fleshing them out and recording them mm. and spending time with like-minded people who this, we've done it for years mm. with each other. We've been writing and recording mm. and stuff. And it's just, it's like a family outside of my family, but mm. that stuff excites me. Tour is going to be a lot of fun. We're doing, I think, 30, 30 different things in, in the States. And we haven't properly done that for a couple of years. Mm. I've got a family now. That excites me. I think I'm a bit more content than I used to be. Mm. I'm actually happy with, I don't have to do, I have to be this person who's whoever, like got a name for himself. I'm actually quite content with just being a part of the fabric and God's using me. So, yeah. And there's still moments within that that are tough and there's moments within that are, mm. that are actually really satisfying. Mm. Yeah. Hey, well, thanks. I feel like we should wrap it up. I've kept you so long. (laughs) But I'm really excited about, um, I guess I'm one of the people who gets to, you know, sit in church and sing the songs Mm. that you write. And so I'm grateful for your journey, grateful that you're stuck at it over the years when it's been, you know, the highs and lows of life. And I'm grateful that God's, I guess, put this confidence in you that you are a songwriter and that you're writing songs for the church because it's it's paying off. And I feel like it's really awesome to see the fruit of your labour and that we get to be a benefit of it. So thanks for the podcast. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. We'll chat soon. Awesome. (laughs) I think it's really interesting that the takeaway from Callie's episode last week from Bethel was that we need to get started. But then this week with Matt, he's talking about how continuing is really important. You know, we go through highs and lows as creatives. Sometimes we're just flowing and stuff is coming out and it's just, we're producing a lot. And then other times it's just hard work. It seems like we've got a blank page and we don't know what to put on it. But the scripture encourages us to not grow weary in doing good, you know, and in in this case, the doing good is the craft, is the grind, is getting it done and presenting our best efforts really before the Lord and allowing Him to do what He would want to do with that. So my encouragement is continue on, don't grow weary, you got this, you can do it, and who knows how God might use that next thing that you create. That brings us to the end of season five. We've had a fantastic season with some great episodes, but for us here in Sydney, we're about to start Hillsong Conference. And so we're gonna take a short break so we can get on with doing that. I know many of you are coming to Hillsong Conference as delegates or volunteers. So please come and say hi in one of our creative masterclasses. And make sure you subscribe too, because we're gonna be back in just a few short weeks. There may or may not be some bonus episodes along the way. So I'll see a bunch of you at Hillsong Conference and for the rest of you, see you in season six.